sit back, relax, you got nothing to lose. What do you think I'm about to show you? The female of the species is more deadly than a male. Show me your movie, you can say it again. Just wait till you see what I did at the end. The female of the species is more deadly than a male. Hello, everyone, and welcome to More Deadly, the Director's Cut, where we speak with the women-identified directors who are making the movies we love oh so much. More Deadly is a trans-inclusive podcast where we celebrate the work of cis and trans women, as well as non-binary filmmakers who are comfortable being included in a space that centers the work of women. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me today is the very best of the best, my beloved friend, Ariel. (laughs) Hi. Hey, girl, how are you? I'm doing okay. Yeah, you hanging in there? Yeah, enjoying spooky season. Yes, it is very much spooky season. Mm-hmm. Um, And I'm trying to, like, allow myself to get into the zone. Because yeah. I don't know about you, I can get so busy and so overwhelmed that, like, I look down, it's October 1st, I look up, and it's, like, October 28th, and I'm like, oh! <laughs> yeah, exactly, because we tend to be so busy in October, it's hard. Mm-hmm. But I keep seeing everybody, like, on social media and even on our Discord talking about all the movies that they're watching for, yeah. like, 31 Days of Horror kind of thing. Yeah, I'm so like, jealous. Okay. I got to get into that. I need I need that energy. <laughs> Are you trying to do any sort of like spooky season watching? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I really want to watch. So mm-hmm. like I'm behind on some things that have come out this year that I really want to see still like talk to me. I haven't seen. Um, I know. I, I think that's what I'm going to do this weekend. And then I just read that Rose Red, that mini series, that Stephen King one, is uh-huh. like streaming now. And I really want to rewatch that. <laughs> oh, funny. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like of all the things that are out there that you still need to watch, you're like, I know. <laughs> I need to get back into Rose Red. <laughs> I just remember really enjoying it. And it has like those good spooky vibes, you know? I mean, it has like a good gothic horror kind yes, of thing. Exactly. You know what's coming out like, I don't know, very, very soon is Fall of the House of Usher. <gasps> I'm so excited for that. Yeah, I've been watching it. I mean, Edgar Allan Poe meets like mafia. It sounds really cool. I mean, it's kind of like Edgar Allan Poe meets the people who, the family that developed um, OxyContin. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But it is, it's quite good so far. There is some cat violence, which I was not a fan of. But other than that, it's been very, very, I don't know. If I ever talk to Mike Flanagan, I need to talk to him about like, what's the deal with all the cat violence? Yeah, why, why do you like killing the cats in every show? What's up with that? It's like in almost all of his things. Yeah, I mean, Midnight Mass was for sure the worst, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to be a recurring theme. (laughs) But like, even going back to the first film that I saw, Absentia, there's a thing about uh-huh. a cat in that, too. So, oh, I don't know. Weird. Maybe he Maybe. had a bad experience. <laughs> mm. See, I want him to be perfect. And if he doesn't like cats, he's not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's not talk about Mike Flanagan. We actually have a very exciting filmmaker to talk about today, mm-hmm. who I'm going to just assume she likes cats because she's cool and cool people <laughs> like cats. Um, and that is the incredible Nanachka. Khan, director of the new horror comedy slasher, Totally Killer. Yes. Yes. I'm so excited to talk about this movie and talk about this director. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I feel like 
we love sort of the dark parts of horror, mm -hmm. the sort of contemplations on mortality and, you know, the metaphors for social ills. This is just kind of a joy. Yeah. It's a breath of fresh. <laughs> I needed it. <laughs> I needed it too, girl. I needed it too. So like I said, we're going to be talking with her about this new film. But before we do that, we're going to get into some background and all that good stuff. Um, that actually brings me to, I almost skipped past this and it's very important that especially for these episodes, what is our spoiler policy here? Yeah. So this time we are going to try our best to not spoil anything when we do our little mini review, but in the interview itself, there's some light spoilery things. So just proceed with caution and uh, watch the movie because it's fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Spoiler. Okay. Yeah, spoiler. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves. But to be honest, I mean, I don't think we're, like I said, it's a breath of fresh. It's yeah. just light. This is like, you know how like we every year we do our crunch at the end and you just mm -hmm. like need those movies in between to be like, oh, right. I do experience joy. My body is capable <laughs> yeah. of producing serotonin. Like this is that movie. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Well, I mean, it shouldn't be that much of a surprise because if you know anything about Nanachka, like her background is all comedy, animation, just like about putting joy yeah. on screen. So... This is just sort of a continuation of that legacy. I'm excited to hear about her because when I was writing the interview questions, I looked up her like IMDb uh -huh. and she has done so much and worked on so many cool things. Yeah. I'm very impressed. Definitely. So, okay. So Ninochka Khan is an Iranian American writer, producer, and director. She's a second generation immigrant whose parents moved from Iran to Las Vegas before she was born. Oh, so wow. she grew yeah, well, she grew up in Las Vegas yeah. and Hawaii. Oh, damn. Right? Those are some good spots. <laughs> I mean, couldn't be more different maybe, but that's some, like American dream shit right there. Yeah. Oh, right. They could not be more different. Um, but I yeah, I don't know. Interesting interesting trajectory. Mm -hmm. So she cr actually credits her love of film and filmmaking and writing to her father, who I think you'll identify with this, was the person in her life who would show her and her brother films. Oh, okay. She, yes. He especially loved like classic things like Ben-Hur, like those classic oh, epics. Wow. Uh -huh. And she said when she was young, her dad would wake her and her brother up. And show her movies, or show them <laughs> movies, and then afterwards want to talk about them. So he would be like, "Let's talk about what you think about this. Why did the character do this? How do you think they feel about this?" And like, kind of got her brain trained to become a writer by really unpacking these things when she was just a kid. Wow, that is amazing because that does sound exactly like my childhood too. That's so funny. <laughs> and what did you grow up to be? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a writer and movie podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> so in high school, she kind of still didn't know exactly what she wanted to do. But one thing she loved doing was writing an opinion piece for her school newspaper. Mm. She would write these like op-eds, but they were really funny and she said that she can remember like really enjoying hearing people's feedback on them. Like they would come up and be like, hey, I read that piece you wrote about like prom or the cafeteria uh -huh. or whatever. And it was really funny. And she loved the idea that she was making people laugh, but she appreciated that it like gave her some distance, you know, like it oh. wasn't like stand up where you were like having to do it right in front of someone and they were experiencing it and you were watching it. Like you could see you could put your art out there 
or your jokes out there and then like let that kind of come back with a little bit of space right yeah that mm -hmm. makes so much sense because it I can't imagine how intimidating it is to like try out new material as a stand-up comic so to be able to like not be in front of the people as they're experiencing yeah. your comedy would probably be better yeah yeah yeah, I feel like that's definitely more my jam. It's exactly. Podcast and writing. Right. <laughs> so after high school, she attended USC School of Cinematic Arts. But again, that wasn't necessarily what she thought she was going to do from the beginning. Like she was in high school. She was filling out all of the, you know, school paperwork. She got accepted to USC, which she picked kind of randomly. It wasn't even like it was a big part of the plan. And then when she was looking through the packets, she realized that they had this cinematic art school and she was like oh no no that's what I want to do and her counselor was like I gotta warn you it's really competitive uh you've only got about a week to fill out your packet and she was like no no that's what I want to do and so she it says she worked harder than she's ever worked in high school and she got her packet together she sent it in and she got accepted oh wow yes and she went in on sort of it like there's different tracks apparently and hers was a writing track okay yes so while she was there, she did some interning, of course. She interned at National Lampoon, which makes sense. Oh, that makes so much sense. Very cool. Yes. And at Fox. I assume maybe in the comedy TV mm -hmm. area. It didn't really specify, but that's my guess. After graduation, she landed um, her first uh, head writer's job at Disney writing the animated series Pepper Ann. Did you ever watch that? <gasps> Oh my God, yes. <laughs> my little sister loved that show. We used to watch it every week together. I can still like hear the theme song in my head. That's so funny. How cool. Right? That yeah. was like her first like major game. Wow. Yeah. Very, very cool. After that, she continued to work in TV. She worked on uh, a few series you may or may not have heard of called Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> yeah. And American Dad. Wow. As well as several others. I just grabbed a couple of those sort of like highlights from her very impressive IMDb. Yeah. Amazing. So in 2012, she went from being a writer to creating her first TV show. Uh, you've probably heard of it. It's called Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23. I can't believe she created it. Also, that show got such a raw deal. It was I so know. funny. It was. And it had like the meta elements with mm -hmm. James Vanderbeek. And uh, I, mean, I was so mad when it got canceled. He's turned out to kind of suck. But oh, he was really? pretty funny and self-referential in that. <laughs> yeah. And I appreciate Like that was peak Vanderbeek for Vander. Yeah. yeah. Vanderpeek? Is that right? No, that's yeah. not right. Is it? Okay. Anyway, it's starting to sound <laughs> wrong. You know, if you say a word too many yes. times, that's what's happening with that name. So that got two seasons before it was sadly canceled, but that's okay because she kept, kept it pushing and she went on to make her first really big hit, the series Fresh Off the Boat in 2015. Also so funny. That's so such a good show. funny. And I love Constance Wu. Constance Wu. That's the first thing I ever saw her in. She's uh -huh. so funny. So Everybody good. in that is funny, but her and Randall Park, mm -hmm. forget about <laughs> it. And then she followed that with another hit series, Young Rock, in 2021. Jeez. Yes. She's a hit maker. She, I'm impressed. Honestly, she has kind of the golden touch. Yeah. She's one of those people that, like, there are a handful of people that, like, just really everything they make is pretty great. Um, I would say like her, Paul Feig, a handful of other people yeah. like just make good stuff. She does. So she did 
actually direct a couple of episodes of Don't Trust the Bee um, in 23, as well as Fresh Off the Boat. But she made her feature film directorial debut with a film called Always Be My Maybe. Yes. Uh, yes. A romantic comedy set here in the Bay Area, which makes mm-hmm. it automatically cool. Um, starring Ali Wong, who is one of the funniest human beings oh, alive. Yeah. And Randall Park, who she worked with on Fresh Off the Boat, um, and is who is also excellent and amazing in everything he's in. The first thing I ever saw him in, though, was that. Do you remember that movie, The Dictator? No, it was where he played Kim Jong Un. Oh, I don't <laughs> the interview, that. the interview, and like, like South Korea was so mad about it, they like hacked all of all of that um, studio's emails oh, and like shit. disseminated them, and it was like a huge scandal, and it was like they were gonna like. They were like, if you show this movie, we're gonna like nuke America. <laughs> How did I miss all of that? Jeez. You don't, oh my god! So then or I have like, no memory of it. I don't know. Oh yeah, and it's it's not a great movie. I've seen it, of course, because mm-hmm. um, they ended up releasing it. Anyway. It's like Seth Rogen and um. Oh, that's right. Yes, but Randall Park was great in it, and okay. so like ever since then, I've been a fan of his, even though the movie itself is kind of. Rah, 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 rah. Yeah. Well, Always Be My Maybe is really cute and yes. really funny and sweet. And also, I just had this thought that there's also a Keanu Reeves scene in there that's yeah. very meta, too. I feel like that's a through yeah. line in her work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keanu is incredible He's in that so movie. Good. <laughs> I love how he doesn't take himself seriously. I know. I know. Because he He's could great. be so up his own butt. Oh, He's been a movie yeah. star since the 80s, and, and yet he just seems like a person. Uh-huh. Um, so charming and and I, like that movie's so good that even Dead Inside Me movie like enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you're not a romantic comedy person. No, God, no. This is like on the very short list of romantic comedies I actually really like. Un like I fully enjoyed. <laughs> um, I think part of it is just like the dryness of uh, of the humor yeah. of Ali Wong's delivery. Mm-hmm. Always, it's just mm, so perfect. So, Totally Killer actually marks her second feature film. It was developed from a screenplay by David Madeline, Sasha Pearl Raver, and Jen D'Angelo, and, and a story by Madeline and Pearl Raver. It stars the lovely Kiernan Shipka, Olivia Holt, Julie Bowen, and Randall Park. Yes. <laughs> He's great in it. Yes. And so this came out of the Bloomhouse uh, tele- under their television banner and was it was um, produced by Jason Bloom. Another woman-directed film by Jason Bloom. Yeah. He's turning I gotta around. say, there are a lot of times where people like get called out for things and they dig in mm-hmm. and they double down and they play victim this man has just basically turned bloom house into like a a machine of putting out like amazing horror films directed by women i know it's i need great. more of them to it. be theatrical so <laughs> yes. we're not at a 10 yet but consistently giving more and more women opportunities mm-hmm. to direct films and with the marketing push of bloom house behind it is a great step in the right direction yeah but absolutely. we're not there yet jason we're not there. Yeah. We need the theatrical. We need the theatrical. Anyway, so the film made its premiere at Fantastic Fest in September, and it arrives this week, this Friday, maybe today, depending on when this drops, on Prime Video. So it is, we all have are a part of the Amazon cult, so I know y'all have a subscription to Prime. So there's no reason why you should not be watching this tonight. And that's what I got. Awesome. All right. So that is the background. Let's talk a little bit in a non-spoiler way what we thought about Totally Killer as if we haven't already tipped our hands. (laughs) So 
my voice is tired. Ariel, what did you think of Totally Killer? I freaking love this movie. It's so <laughs> much fun. It is such a blast. I had the best time watching this. You know, horror comedies don't always hit, but this one definitely did. It's funny and it's got all the horror elements I love. I mean, it's like Scream meets Back to the Future. Mm. And you have like the whodunit elements and the slasher mm. parts of it, mm-hmm. time travel. I just had so much fun. It's like everything that I love in a fun movie all in one. And uh, <laughs> it also, because of the time travel element, you get like modern stuff along with all of this like 80s commentary, yeah. which was one, very funny. And then <laughs> two, like pointing out all this sort of like problematic stuff that we all know is in those mm-hmm. 80 movies we love was just like great it's so fun I mean <laughs> there are some great lines in this movie too like without spoiling anything there is this woman in one scene who is wearing like a track suit who says would a serial killer wear Gloria Vanderbilt <laughs> I cracked up lines like that so funny I just yeah, I had the I had a great time. I honestly am shocked that this did not make it to theater and is streaming. I mean, more power to her for getting her film on Amazon Prime. That's amazing. But I do feel like this would have done well in theaters in October because it is the kind of horror movie that like anybody can enjoy. Like it's not too gory or dark or anything, you know? Yeah, I I also really had a good time with this. I have my introduction to Kiernan Shipka was uh, Mad Men, mm-hmm. which I, I was like, who is this little amazing yeah. actor? And then it was like some of chill, uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina and <laughs> the flowers in the attic. Oh, right. from, I like, forgot about that. <laughs> so I've really only seen her in dramatic roles before this. So yeah. I really wasn't I didn't know she had the comedy chops that she does. She's but so she, good. Her timing is great. Her dry delivery Mm -hmm. is great. And the fact that she actually is a very skilled actor really elevates it even more because there are some emotional levels. I found myself thinking a little bit about a similar movie that's not quite as funny, which is Final Girls. It would be a great double feature because they both have time travel elements They and they both have sort of a um you know uh rooted in sort of like this complicated relationship between mother and daughter Mm -hmm. and like recognizing like understanding your mother in a new way by understanding who she was when she was your age this one is not as sad though that one is funny and and beautiful but it is a little bit melancholy this one is much lighter much funnier her the way she relates to her mom is kind of always in <laughs> shock like mom you're terrible I like, know, it's so great <laughs> it takes a very different different path and it's it's very light it's very funny but that's not to say that it's empty like i do think that there's some really great social commentary in here and i think you hit on it in the way that you talked about the way that this film lovingly homages but also lovingly critiques things about the the era and the films that it's homaging uh and i think that that's another trademark of con like this yeah. is one of the things that she did so well with fresh off the boat in particular is talking about like the immigrant experience and like American culture and all the complicated bullshit around that. But like in a way that never feels heavy, 
Like it kind of like you're just you find yourself instead of being like, I am learning something, nodding along and like having a new realization about things you already knew. And I think that this movie does a good job of that, too. Like it's teasing you into kind of an awareness around some problematic shit from the 80s. So it's fun and it's light and it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like a message movie without. But it also doesn't just like disregard some of the stuff that it no longer really works. Yeah. And so that's great. I think it is a great slumber party movie because like you said, it's not too, too gory. But I also think it's a fun one with with grown folk friends or just by yourself. If you just like you love horror and you just want to have a light, fun night, pop some popcorn, giggle, you know, solve a slasher mystery. Like you said, this has it all. And it's just great. I edit. I, I don't know that we'll see a sequel, but. It's a world that I would not mind returning to. It's full of smart, smart women, scientists, mathematicians, but also like funny, irreverent women who are badly behaved. It has all the things. It has all the things that I love. Yeah. All the side characters are really enjoyable too. Yeah. Talking about Randall Park being in it. Oh my God. Hilarious. Yes. (laughs) And it's also like very this is also i think an anachka khan thing is that it is intentionally like unabashedly diverse mm-hmm. like it the population of her projects and of this film are far more reflective of the real world yeah. <laughs> than oh yeah your typical slasher <laughs> fair there is not a token anything in the bunch right right which i think is like it's even clearer because you're comparing it to 80s movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But yeah. So I think we both come down on recommend. Oh, yeah. Hell yes. Watch this movie. It's so fun. You're going to have a great time. Awesome. All right. So let's get a synopsis and then we'll get into our interview with Nanoshka. So totally killer. Uh, Jamie is a high school girl whose mother was the lone survivor of a serial killer who murdered all of her friends when she was in high school. On Halloween, the killer strikes again. And in an effort to try to stop the killer, Jamie uses her friend's time machine (laughs) to travel back to 1987. Once there, she pretends to be an exchange student from Canada. (laughs) She befriends the teenage version of her mom and all of her friends before they were ever killed and tries to save them and uncover the truth of who the killer is. So fun. So silly. I love this movie. I know. (laughs) And you know what? We're about to say that again in our interview. (laughs) Shall we get into it? Yes, let's do it. All right. Here we go. Oh my gosh, it is such a dream to chat with you. We were such fans of Always Be My Maybe. And so we have been like waiting in anticipation to see what you're doing next, only to discover that you're doing a slasher horror comedy, which is exactly, as you can tell by our backgrounds, our jam. (laughs) I was just going to compliment your backgrounds. I like the Invisible Man, Ghost Face. (laughs) We definitely have a lane for sure. But I'm curious for you, are you a horror fan? What drew you to this project and like sort of what challenges did you think it presented for you? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely a horror fan and was like just as a viewer, you know, like I really found it relaxing in a way because I have only worked in comedy up until this point. And so when I wanted to just like chill out, it was nothing better than to watch like a conjuring or something like that, you know, and kind of just um, check out and just appreciate it as as 
truly an audience member. Um, and then when uh, I met with Jason Blum and the team at Blumhouse, because they had seen Always Be My Maybe, and they were like, let's figure something out. I was like, I would love to. Like, I, Anything I do will always have a streak of comedy in it, but I like the idea. I mean, Scream is one of my most favorite mm -hmm. movies of all time. Um, and so I like the idea of doing like a mashup. And so then when this they sent the script, it just sort of, everything seemed to click and, and make sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. awesome. I mean, a lot of directors try and fail to make a horror comedy because it's really <laughs> hard to find that balance between horror and the funny stuff. How were you able to achieve that? I think it's just really um, acknowledging like that we have it on the page. Like we know we feel good about going in. But my experience has shown me that like when you assemble a movie in post and the edit, like everything, things will change. And so really just giving yourself options. So you're not leaning one way or the other. Like you think, let's say, for example, you want a comedy blow at the end of some scene. But then when you put the movie together, you're like, no, that's absolutely wrong. Like, let's let the adrenaline carry us through into the next scene here. Let's not take the momentum out. So not being locked into having a, you know, being able to take a step back and then having options to be like, let's just let this ride or conversely, oh my God, I feel like the audience right here needs a release valve, you know, shooting that, mm -hmm. shooting some jokes and scenes where you might not anticipate needing them um, and really just kind of being able to assemble it because it is a tightrope that you're walking and, and, you know, playing around with, with what is that right, happy, happy medium. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that idea of like building and building tension but then also relieving tension like figuring out which you want to do when that's so smart mm -hmm. it feels like that's what horror and comedy share you know because it's it's about setup and payoff and and you can't like both are visceral like you can't you know yeah. think that you're gonna laugh you either laugh or you don't uh and you're either scared or you're not and so I think it was cool to kind of see them as cousins and and kind of build build the tension and you just, as the audience don't know, is it, is the release going to be a laugh or a scare, you know, and sort of keeping that off balance um, nature to the movie, I think, you know, helps the tension. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that's so interesting about comedy and horror, I feel like, is they're both genres that you really feel in your body. Mm -hmm. You know, like you feel a, a physical, like you watch a drama and you can be emotionally impacted, but like you feel comedy and you feel horror. So it's really interesting to hear how like, you know, the crafting of those things are so related is really, I don't know, that's fascinating to me. So on the page, obviously the writing is so good. It's so witty. It's so charming, but there's also the magic of like truly an incredible cast. I think that Kieran and Chipka, Julie Bowen and Olivia Holt are all like picture perfect castings. And I'm curious for you, you know, did you have the, any of them in mind in the lead up or did it just kind of all magically come together in casting? I think once we got, once we had the draft that we knew we wanted to send out um, to our Jamies, right? That was the first role, the Kiernan Shipka role. Yeah. And Kiernan was at the top of everybody's mine, Blumhouse, Amazon. We were all fans. I had worked with her on one episode of Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23 when she was like 12, you know, like <laughs> Truly when she was a That's child. So cool. I know. When I met with her, you know, so we sent her the script. She she really liked it. We got on a Zoom and we met. And I was like, you probably don't remember, but like 10 years ago, you did one episode. And she was like, of course I remember. Like this happened, this happened. Like she's so, um, she's a 22 year old legend. I don't know how else to describe it. Like she's so young 
but mm-hmm. she's had so much experience and she's so present mm-hmm. in every single role I, I've seen her in and she's able to find the complexities of characters without like weighting them down too much. So she can yeah. deliver jokes. She can't, but she carries like this woundedness with her in this movie because of this trauma that sort of launches her on her story. And and then when you pair her with Olivia, who I had not worked with before, she sent her audition in and she just like blew us all away because she was able to play this like John Hughes mean girl um, with so much comedy and so much yeah. you liked, you, you were just with her, you know? And, yeah. and then once we got Olivia, then it was like Julie playing older Olivia. I mean, that just like lined up magically. I mean, they were so, they're so great together as the same character. Yeah. Um, yeah. Love Julie. She's, she's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so great. They were all just perfect. And you're right about Olivia too, that there are moments when she's so cruel and she says mean things, but like you kind of can't help but like her because there's yeah. something so charming and funny about her too. Yeah. It's it's a great balance there. That's good. And that's just like innate to her, you know? It's like you have it on the page and nine out of 10 people would deliver it. And you're like, mm. and then that one person, you know, you would question, you'd be like, I don't think this writing is work. We got to go back to page one. And then Olivia comes through and she just like walks that line and and just like kills it. And you're like, she makes everybody, she's like a writer's best friend because she makes us all good, you know? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Rachel and I talk about this a lot, but as horror fans, like some of our earliest memories of horror is like watching Final Girls at sleepover parties and just like Mm -hmm. falling in love with these women. And Pam in this movie, I feel like falls more in line with those classic final girls from the 70s and 80s but Jamie feels a lot more modern she feels like a modern take where she even has a character arc because she goes from this sullen rebellious teen in the beginning but then she sort of becomes a leader and even a peacemaker among that group of friends so how are you hoping audiences will interpret that yeah I think that's a great observation because I think for us one of the kind of subtle elements we wanted to do is almost a handoff from like the classic final girl that, uh, you know, adult Pam plays at the beginning of the movie to her daughter. And so, you know, Pam in the movie has had 35 years of being the only survivor, being the final girl, having to experience this trauma so much so that she, you know, gave that to her daughter, uh, just trying to keep her safe and trying to protect her, but in doing so kind of passed it on, you know, the intergenerational trauma of that all of, the whole experience. And then now when you're following Jamie, but she has now, you know, in the classic slasher movies, the young woman is always hunted. Um, and she is here too. Like there is a killer on the yeah. loose, killing young women. He's after her, but Jamie is the one that's pushing the story forward. Yes. You know, she's actually hunting him and mm-hmm. while he's hunting that. So that's a, uh, also like, and even if you don't really, it's like a subconscious thing, but there is a power to that, you know, like she is not going to stop until she stops him. Um, and that's what she's coming in with. You know, she doesn't get there. She, she's armed with the timeline of the kill. She knows what she needs to do and she can't fail. And there's, there's a little bit of a power shift in that dynamic that I think is um, exciting for people. And again, like, even if you are yeah. not aware of it, it kind of just propels the story in a interesting way yeah Yeah. 
I love how it flips the predator prey dynamic on its head. I hadn't really put that together as you're saying that. I'm like, of course, of course, she's the person with the upper hand in this. And usually so much of the mystery is about her, you know, it's people not knowing and us knowing. I don't know. That's really, I love that. And I think that one of the things I really enjoyed about this film that you do in a very fun way is that you lovingly kind of interrogate some of the sort of problematic tropes of the 80s slasher film. I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about um, how you approach that and like your intent around that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's part of the comedic lens of the whole movie. You know, we, we look at a lot of the stuff that was like, okay. In the eighties that, now back with a 2023 lens doesn't pull up, doesn't play. Yeah. Um, one of those things that was fun for us was that trope of, you know, um, the sex trope in these slasher movies. And we have this whole runner. It just, you know, I don't know if it's because we don't spend a lot of time with the girls from the slasher movies from the past, mm-hmm. or it's just whose POV we're watching it through. But uh, it was fun for us to go into like the Mollies and have them talk about sex in a way that we hadn't really heard. So there's this whole runner where this one character hates giving blowjobs and it keeps coming back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, Like you just don't hear girls talk about things like that. And it just like, it feels very, it feels yeah real, you know? And it's like, it's just a funny flip of that, of the idea mm-hmm. of like the sex craze or whatever, you know, it's like, they just, yeah anyway so that was one of the ones that we were but it was fun to play with yeah Yeah. I do love that like fish out of water temporally kind of aspect to Jamie's character is really funny that like let's not let that be the takeaway from this (laughs) that line is so good (laughs) still trying to make it 80s right they're still trying to be like so what we should all know is that everybody should love blowjobs she's like no that's not (laughs) there's also a very good line about hot tub like jacuzzi jets that just (laughs) cracked me up so much okay yeah this is accepted she's like okay right exactly exactly it's a funny way to point that out um we also really love some of the stylistic choices you made in this film. There's the beginning I really love where it sounds like a true crime podcast or like a 2020 Dateline style narration or later when she first goes back in time and you use this kind of like fish eye lens. These are all like really cool little techniques that you put in there. Can you talk about some of those choices and why you made them? Yeah, I'm so happy that um, that you appreciated those. I think the opening one for us was to sort of like set the tone and set the scene and acknowledge the kind of true crime um, obsession that I think uh, we're living in right now. Um, And just a cool, interesting way to kind of catch us up on where we are, uh, knowing that people have seen like all these datelines, all these 20s, you know, like again, respecting the audience's knowledge of these things. Um, And then kind of revealing that it's this neighborhood podcast tour yeah. you know yeah. slickly produced <laughs> but he's in his mind that's who he is you know and mm-hmm. that's he, um so that was a, a definite choice and then um the uh what was the second one that you said oh the fisheye lens kind oh, of trick yeah. that you did with the time jump so we had that uh the anamorphic lens which really mm-hmm. centers you and I think um you know we we took the back out of that photo booth. And so we had our camera guy kind of come through and then do the anamorphic lens to sort of just warp time a little bit and warp um, her POV for the first time in the movie, because 
I mean, if any, if you're going to do that at any point, it's when you've yeah. traveled <laughs> to 1987 in a phone booth uh, or a photo booth, sorry. Um, but yeah, and just sort of wanting her to feel completely lost uh, and then coming all the way back around doing that 360 and then landing on her, centering her in this like yeah. outsized world. Such a cool effect. It really is. It is really cool. So, okay. I'm going to shift gears a little bit. So, I mean, the film is not overtly textually queer, but as I was watching it, it's so camp that there is sort of this spirit of queerness in the film. And I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit to that and if it's something that you intentionally infused into it, or do you feel like speaking of POVs, it has to do with just your POV being part of this? Definitely with my POV. I mean, I think there's like a little bit of camp in a lot of things that I do just inherently because as a queer person telling stories, that's the lens that I see the world through. That's what I find funny. Um, you know, so there are heightened elements in a world um, that has like a heightened concepts, you know, so it's like, you've got the Mollies, which are heightened versions of Molly Ringwald uh, with, you know, borrowing from Heathers, which is also sort of a camp, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and then you've got the totally killer mask in and of itself with like that dangling earring. Yes, I love like a, that. Like a Lost Boys, you know, which is also a camp. There's a lot of homoeroticism in Lost Boys. So I think, you know, there's things for me as a filmmaker and as a storyteller that I love and that I gravitate towards. And I think for me, it's it's going to feel, uh, you know, the idea of camp and horror just are so natural too. And I like... You can't, I don't want to go too far with it, but you know, there's, you've got to sprinkle it throughout. I mean, it's, it's just like, it's, it's very present, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's certainly an element that we appreciated in a film that overall we absolutely loved and are Thank so you. excited for people to see. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. This has been such a dream. I'm sorry. You're going to say something. No, I was just going to say the one other thing too, was like that casual homophobia of the eighties where yes. like I don't know like I lived through the 80s and the, like people would always use the term like les out as if it was like just a thing and I want yeah. to <laughs> like be like you can't say that. like that is not a thing that you can say and just like in a fun way but anyway yeah no great. absolutely it's so rough <laughs> to go back and watch like 80s movies you loved and they drop the, the f-bomb and not the good one and you're just like no <laughs> I just want to enjoy this. But, but seriously, thank you for being so yeah, generous with your you. time today. This has been so much fun. Loved the film. And I think people are going to go crazy for it when they get to see it because uh, your perspective is one that is so valuable and we loved it. I'm so, thank you so much. It's so nice. It means so much. I appreciate that. Okay, that was our interview with Nanachka Khan. Ariel, I love doing this podcast. I know. It's so much fun. It's like I I do a lot of cool things with my work, but nothing is quite as personally fulfilling as what we do together. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I love talking to women who make films. They're always without fail so fascinating and charismatic and thoughtful. I know I say that every time, but I really am blown away. Like these are my, my celebrities. Yeah. I just love learning about like all of the thought process and things that go into making a film, even something like this, where the movie 
it does definitely have something to say and there's some commentary but it's like really fun and fluffy too yeah it was Mm -hmm. so it was really interesting to hear what she had to say about it too she just seemed really cool i wish we had gone to talk to her longer honestly though i am glad that i didn't know the pepper ann thing before we did the interview because I probably would have asked her about it <laughs> and embarrassed myself. <laughs> nah, I bet she's probably really proud of it. Yeah, that's true. You know? But yeah, I agree with you. I I loved hearing her talk about the balance, like finding that balance between horror and comedy. I think that it leans more into the comedy, but like stays in sort of the spirit of a slasher in a way that like is really fun. Yeah, I loved how she was talking about like using different elements from horror and different mm-hmm. elements from comedy to like build up tension and then to yeah. release that tension. Very yeah. cool. Very, very cool. And her sort of twist and modern interpretation on the final girl Mm -hmm. I thought was really interesting. Like, I I mean, I love a final girl. And we have a handful of really great ones. But there has always been this element of, like, having to earn your ability or your justification to survive. And I kind of like how, in the case of Jamie, she's just, like, a flawed teen. The the thing that gives her the edge is just that she's a time traveler. She's not, like, not like the other girls. You know what I mean? No, it's just because she has more information and because her mom taught her a ton of self-defense Well, there's that as well. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I love that scene at the beginning when Julie Bowen is just like I've been waiting for you to come and kill me my whole life and it's just like karate chopping the shit out of it like weapons <laughs> hidden places it's a, so good I mean you would right I yeah mean. I know I also love I'm not going to give this away but how the rape whistle comes back oh I know <laughs> that cracked me up <laughs> oh there's so many good like running jokes in this I know I know but yeah you're totally right about Jamie like everything she said about like her having more kind of agency mm-hmm. in in this and getting a full character arc too, like really yes. developing through the film. Very cool. Very, very cool. But yeah, I don't know. I love this movie. Such a big fan of her work. I'm so excited. I hope she continues to make horror comedies. My guess is she's going to probably move around the yeah. genres. But if she wanted to make a totally killer too, I would not be mad. I would fully support that. <laughs> I would love to see more of this. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hopefully you guys take our advice and give it a watch. It is available either now or about to be on Prime Video. So check it out this weekend. Thank us later. Anything else before we wrap it up? No. All right. Awesome. For those of you out there, if you have some thoughts, some feelings, you something you need to get off your chest, you have a secret you want to tell us, you can <laughs> do that by emailing us at rachel at zombiegirls.com or chatting with us over on the Zombie Girls Facebook page. Or of course, sliding into the DMs at ZG Podcasts on Instagram, Twitter, and Threads. If you like the show, if you like what you're hearing, you want some more of it, you know what you can do? You can take your ass over to wherever it is that you're downloading these podcasts and leave us a very nice review. If you're looking for something spooky to watch tonight, you can check out our video on demand and streaming calendar at ZG Podcasts, where we keep track of all the spooky doings uh, that are on all the various streaming services it's spooky season there are a lot of options oh. trust me you're gonna want to see the calendar because there's a lot going on and you don't want to miss the good stuff and if you want to support us you can do that by buying some of our awesome merch at zombiegirls.com forward slash merch or supporting our patreon at patreon.com forward slash zombiegirls to get all the sweet perks like extended episodes and hanging out on the old discord good stuff over there good good stuff <laughs> 
All right. So that just leaves our plan for the next episode. Arrow, what are we doing on the next episode? Is it something very, very exciting that we've been waiting a really long time for? <laughs> it is something very exciting that we've yes! been waiting a very long time for. What are for. the odds? <laughs> <laughs> we have another fabulous interview for you guys. Yes. We got to see the movie Appendage, yes. which if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you may recognize because we absolutely love the short film that this was mm-hmm. based on and uh, found out about it a while ago yes. when we talked to Katrina Kudlig because we interviewed yes. her for Spoonful of Sugar and she was telling us about it. We got very, very excited yes. and we've been like dying to see it. We finally got to see it and we got to talk to the director, Anna Zlokovic. Oh, yes, you guys. <laughs> I think you're really going to love this interview. Yeah. So, and actually, Appendage is out now. So go do your homework, put it in your eyeballs, because we're going to be getting into some nitty and gritty about it on the next episode. Yeah, it's on Hulu. Check it out. All right, Ariel. On that note, pick us out. All right. Thanks for listening to another episode of More Deadly Director's Cut. We had such a good time with this movie and talking to this director. I really hope you guys enjoyed it. And we'll see you next time for our interview with the director of Appendage. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.